hear people going, shh. That's funny. I will tell you, never have, never have I led a youth group where someone in the youth group was like, shh. That's never happened before, ever. It doesn't happen. Right? I know. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So, as, as most of you know, Pastor Paul and Pastor Wendy are on vacation, a much-needed break. Um, they are coming home today, but I know that they have been able to rest and recoup and spend time with God in the presence of the Lord. So, um, I get the opportunity and the honor of being able to speak today. Um, I'm appreciative of it. Thank you all for being here. Um, I know you didn't show up for me. I know that for a fact. Um, I didn't show up for me. Um, we're here so that we can continue down the road to Romans that we've been doing. We're in chapter 3. We're going to do the last part of chapter 3 in Romans today. So <clears throat> I'm going to do some recap before I read the scripture. So those of you that have been with us on this road trip, it's time to stretch your legs a little bit. We're at a rest stop, right? So the whole first part of Romans was was pretty rough, right? Um, <laughs> It, it called out some things. It started to unearth some things in us. And it started to call out some hypocrisy that we carry as Christians. And that the Jews carried as Jews compared to the Gentiles. There was a lot of separation. There was a lot of division. Uh, well, at least I'm a Jew and I'm not them. And a lot of that continues to carry over in today's culture with Christianity. Hey, at least, you know, I'm saved and they're them. Right? There's always this, at least I can fill my nose with helium over what you're doing. We were never called to do that. Jesus did not walk around just stepping on the heads of everybody below him. And I will tell you this right now, you are not above anybody, so it is never your place to look down on anybody. The only one that could look down, looked down from the cross and said, this is why I'm doing this, so that I... I can unleash my love to everyone below me so that then we can be seen as righteous as Jesus is righteous. So in Romans, we see Paul talking to the church in Rome and he's talking to the Jews and he says, hey, you're no better than the Gentiles. You might think you are because you have the law, right? You've got this 600 and something laws that you follow because this is what was handed down to Moses and then it began to continue to be developed through the children of Israel. But understand... Christ came for a reason, because the law could not save us. Actions cannot save us. And like what we've mentioned before, if actions could save us, then we could stand before Christ on the cross and say, I didn't need you to do that. You can get down and stop wasting your time. We cannot do that, because we are a broken, flawed people. When sin entered into our planet, into our lives it affected all of us. And that sin is what separates us from that perfect relationship that God created initially. And we as humans understand that there is something missing. So there is not a person you will ever meet that has not searched or is searching for something. Because we want to feel complete. Right? We were created in part to be connected to our creator. And when sin came in and separated that, we've been shoving puzzle pieces into our puzzle piece for all of eternity trying to find what fits. There are some that are similar shape, 
There are some that fit for a while and then decay. There are some that we have cut our shape to try to fit other shapes. But our shape was never meant to be ultimately connected to something here because we were eternal beings created in our souls to be connected there. I am no better than you. You are no better than anybody outside these walls. Paul wants us to hold that in tandem because the first two and a half chapters, he has gone back and forth with saying, look, you claim this, but you do this. You claim to be teachers of the law, yet you don't even know it. You claim and you tell people you don't need to lie while you lie. You love to put other people down so you feel higher than you are. Know your position, and that is always kneeling at the foot of the cross. So why go three and a half chapters before just outright, here's the good news? I'll answer that with this question. Have you ever been to a movie? You ever been to like an action movie or anything? That movie would not be great if in the first two minutes, like, yeah, we won, it's over, woo! And then here's an hour of us just chilling, hanging out because it's over. Be like, mm, this is really boring, right? In the movies, we see the struggle. We see what they're going through because then we understand when the victory comes, how sweet that victory is. Scripture is doing that right now. We see how bad it was. There was nothing you could do to get into heaven. Everything we have ever done on our own has left Christ bleeding. We could not do it. God does not look down and say, well, some sins are worse than other sins. And like a lie, I'll let you scoot with that one. But if you're murdering somebody, that one's a little different. He says, sin is sin, and that has separated me from you. My son loves to quote uh, a verse. James, he would know it. I should know. And then verse 10 or something. Where it says, if any one of you has broken one of the laws, you are guilty of having broken all of it. There's not a person in this room that is not guilty of having broken that law. Of having sinned at some point in our lives. And when God created everything, he said, that is the separation from me. I don't want you separated from me. But when I created this, I am a just God and I am a good God and I will abide by the rules that I put in place for all of this. This sin has to be atoned for. The wages of sin is death. Not almost death. Not, well, if you got enough money, you can get out of it. You sin, you've stamped your ticket for death and separation. But we have a good God. A God that understands. A God that didn't say, well, you know, I'm going to break the rules and twist them. He said, I still will operate in the rules that I put in place for this world. Because there has to be an atonement. There has to be some payment made for this. And what we're going to get to jump into now in Romans is a really, really, really good conjunction. Right? Paul said, it's a good but. Right? <laughs> not, not the Apostle Paul, Pastor Paul. I don't, <laughs> that's not in Scripture. Um, 
just to preface that, okay? So, I would like all of you to stand up. Let's read this together. Romans 3, 21 through 31. But now, apart from the law, God's righteousness has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. That is, God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as a propitiation. Some verses says as an offering of atonement or as a mercy seat through faith in his blood to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be righteous and declare righteous or justify or acquit the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By one of works? No. On the contrary, by a law of faith. For we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God for the Jews only? Is he not also for the Gentiles? Yes, for the Gentiles too. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then cancel the law through faith? Absolutely not. On the contrary, we uphold that law. God, we thank you for scriptures. We thank you for the divine that is in the words that you've given us. We thank you that you are the word and the word was with you. God, I pray that this would come to life today. I pray that this would, what you said, scripture, divide bone and marrow, that it would begin to cut into our lives that it would begin to till the soil of our souls to plant what you would want to plant it in, God. Thank you, Father. Amen. You can be seated. So there is this tandem. The whole first two and a halfs, we have to understand how bad it was. Because if I don't understand how bad it is, I don't get to fully comprehend how amazing the saving is. And I also don't fully understand the price that was paid. Because the price he paid for you was astronomical. And like I've mentioned before, I'm only willing to pay what I believe something's worth. If I'm on Facebook Marketplace or I'm going to a garage sale, I look at something in my head, I say, that's probably worth this much money. I'm willing to pay this because I value it at that price. So when God looked at us, broken, wallowing around in our sin, unable to do anything for ourselves, he said, I value them at this level, and I am willing to pay this for them. Now, Satan wants you to believe that you are nowhere near that valuable. I want you to understand your value as juxtaposition to what you feel. Not so you get a big head, because... The value that Christ put on you, he put on all of us. You are not better than anybody. We've learned that in the first two and a half chapters. The playing field is even at the foot of the cross. 
but also understand your value has been given to you. You did not make your value. You do not raise your value. You do not lower your value because your value has been set by the person that created you. Your price has been paid by the creator of the universe putting on flesh and bone as Jesus Christ and coming down to pay an atonement that we could never pay. So, it, but now, right? It's a conjunction. Those of you that, you know, conjunction, junction, what's your function? Right? That's the only part of the song I know. I'm sorry. Um, you kind of know where this is going, right? What is a conjunction? Well, it is a word that contrasts what's come before it. Or to bring in new information into the sentence. We got two and a half chapters of a whole bunch of negative stuff. True, truth, negative stuff. Not Paul's opinion on us. The fact that we, left to our own devices without good, cannot be good. We do. We're all hoovers, right? Like, we're bad. It ain't good. I can't save you. You can't save me. My opinion means nothing, but I will tell everybody my opinion. But now... But now, right? We've, we've thrown all this at you. Like, you claim this, but you don't do it. You want to do this. You don't do this. Like, you couldn't save yourself. None of us are holy. None of us are righteous. None of us are justified. None of us can do anything. No matter how hard you work, you're not getting yourself to heaven. But now, I will tell you how you will be justified. But now, apart from the law, apart from your actions that you choose to do, God's righteousness has been revealed. And it has been attested or proven by the law of the prophets of the Old Testament. It's been proven. It's not fake. God's righteousness has been revealed. Not mine. Because I am not righteous. Apart from God, none of us can be righteous. Righteousness is the quality of being right in the eyes of God, including in character, in conscience, in conduct, command. So that is your nature, your attitude, your actions, and your word. Righteousness is, therefore, based upon God's standard because he is the ultimate lawgiver. So righteousness is based on God, not on you. So when he says, it is my righteousness that I'm putting on you, it is a righteousness never attainable by humans. It is a righteousness that we cannot earn. His righteousness given for us. He reveals it to us. It says, that is God's righteousness revealed through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe since there is no distinction. It is not because your grandma prayed and loved Jesus so much that you just, oh, I'm getting in because of what she did. She did not, she doesn't get a plus one. Okay, like, that ain't how that works. All right, it's not, it's not because, well, I came from this family or I attend this church, so clearly all of us have backstage passes to heaven. 
No. No. Not at all. When you think you are righteous enough, you are not. This is a gift freely given, but at a great cost. And it can be freely accepted, but also at great cost. It's his righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. All of us have heard verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. Everybody that has been, is, and will be. We've all fallen short of it. Because the standard and the glory of God is perfection. We are imperfect people. And sometimes as imperfect people, we make our own version of perfection. It is not perfection. It is my broken, viewed, cracked mirror reflection of perfection. And I like to hold other people to it. And I love to beat myself up when I don't meet it. And the enemy loves to come in and just continue to push on that wound. Of you, yeah, look at you. It's bad. Like, you're not, you have no value. Nobody wants you. Nobody cares about you. You're not ever going to be able to do anything. But scripture says the opposite. Scripture says, before you were born, I knew you. I knit you together piece by piece in your mother's womb. Every atom, every particle, everything about you. I put things in you that I want to call out of you. And there, through your life, you are putting things in you that God says, I want to pull out and throw away. To give room for the growth that's coming. Because... If we're a vessel, we have to pour out what's in us to hold what God wants to pour in us. So there is action. The action doesn't get me to heaven. The action is my response to God and what he has done for me. Because he said, I saved you, and I have a, there's a reason you're here, and I love you, and I paid a high price for you. Not to put you and make you sit in a pew until you die. God doesn't collect people and go, look at this, look at my shelf of people. He's a recruiter, okay? That's what he is. And what's amazing is the God of the universe has a plan, and he wants to enact this plan, and he says, guess what? You want to help me do this? Like if I'm doing something and Micah's around, my son, I'm like, you want to help me do it? He's like, yeah. <laughs> right? Because then he gets to like, he gets to be grown up for a bit, right? He gets to help daddy do something big. The God of the universe comes down to us and says, hey, you want to help me do it? You want to be a part of this? It's going to be amazing, right? When we get done doing what we're doing and our team keeps growing and you see your friends and your family up here and all of them, are just doing what God's calling them to do. There is something that happens inside of you. Your purpose awakens. And you feel truly alive. That is the abundant life that Jesus calls us to. He says, I, I came not just to give you life, but an abundant life. A life of purpose. Something to do. And that is to help save the world. 
not by looking down on them. Not by saying, hey, let me tell you everything wrong with you. Speak truth in love. In love, I also refuse to allow my son to not act certain ways. In my love, I correct him because I want what's best for him. In those moments, he looks at me, he says, you're mean, you just don't want me to do this. In fact, yes, I do not want you to do this. You can think I'm mean, but I know the plan. Because I know that when you get older, there's things I want instilled in you. Because there's going to be a lot of loud voices around you that say opposite things. And they don't shut up. And it's constant. And it's more and more and more. I'm not trying to hate on social media or the internet, but I'm saying we are the most connected we have ever been with every other living person in the world. And now we have to carry the weight of everybody's opinion and we have to have an opinion of everything now. We were never created for that. I'll give you God's opinion because that's truth. Right? My opinion doesn't save you. My opinion can't get you into heaven. All I can do is say, this is what God did for me. When we were wrapping up worship, I felt like God asked a question to me. I'm going to ask it to all of you. How many of you only know one version of God? Because God reveals more of himself to you in the situations you allow him to work in. I will never know God as a healer unless I approach him and allow him to heal me. I will never know God as a peace giver if I do not approach him and allow him to cover me with his peace. I don't know him as the joy in my life if I do not let go of the things that I'm hurting myself holding to allow him to be the joy in my life. Some of us only know one or two versions of God. None of us are ever going to know all of it until we get to heaven and our minds are blown but God says, I will reveal more of myself to you. Let me. Now, it will require you to have a response. It will require action on your part. Because if I ask you to hand me something, you have to be willing to hand it to me. If I ask you to get into a position of surrender, you have to be willing to do that. So it is still up to you as an in that action to choose whether or not you are going to experience a new part of who God is and then to be able to take that and add it to the soup of who he is right more flavors more complexity like this this amazingness of who God is because now when I interact with people that are experiencing any of these things I can say Here's my testimony. I experienced God in that. I experienced God in that. I experienced God in that. And it equips me to be better in my sharing of the gospel with people. But we will never be perfect. 
So we constantly have to remind ourselves daily the righteousness of God has been revealed. Are you going to wear it today? Are you going to be the conduit that God has created you to be? Because it is a choice. It's still free will. It is not transactional either. It is not, well, I did what you wanted me to do for five days, so the sixth day I get to do whatever I want, and it kind of cancels out, right? Like, I'm eating a burger and drinking a Diet Coke. They cancel each other out. No. (laughs) This is not a do this because you have to. This is a you get to do this. You get to work and walk hand in hand with the creator of the universe. And he will reveal himself to you. Day by day. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Not through us, as we've spoken many, many times, but through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's that God presented him as a propitiation, as an offering of atonement, as a mercy seat in some translations. He was presented him as that through faith in his blood. Why did he do this? To demonstrate his righteousness. God did this to show his character, the very nature of who he is, his attitude towards us, which is his conscience, his conduct. This is his action. This is what he's choosing to do in response to what we have done and in his command or in his word. By fulfilling the word of the prophet. Because this is because in his restraint God passed over the sins previously committed. In his restraint. That level of mercy that God says, I'm gonna give you another day, another chance, another opportunity. Judgment will come. God's mercy says, I want you to have as much time as you can because the train's about to leave the station. I want you on the train. His restraint, his mercy to say, I'm not going to come down and deal with you immediately every time you do something wrong. He can and he does deal with us and he chastises those that he loves. And I thank God for that because that lets me know God does not want to leave me where I am and that he has better for me and that he sees it in me enough to say, we can can do this. We can be better. I need you to put that down because I need your hand open for what I'm about to put in it. His mercy and his grace blow us away. God presented Jesus to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. It was intentional. It was not by accident. God did not look out at the world and go, whoo, this has gotten out of hand. I better figure something out here. No. Everything he has done, every heartbeat you have, every time you blink, every hair on your head is intentional. It is not an accident. 
God presented Jesus to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be righteous and declare righteous or justify or acquit us. Another lawyer term just for you. Um, <laughs> acquit the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, understand, I want you to understand this. It does not say to acquit the Jew, to acquit only the Gentiles, to acquit only Baptists or Episcopalians or the Catholics, or to only acquit Americans. It says, the one who has faith in Jesus. So here's my question. Who does it acquit? Who can have faith in Jesus? Anybody. Anybody. That means that the value Christ put on anybody is still the cost of his son. That is why you are no better than anybody else. That is why we need to remain humble. Like what Pastor Paul said, we're out swimming and we're drowning trying to get to Hawaii and they throw the life preserver to us and it pulls us in the boat. We're not supposed to make an idol of the life preserver. We're to use that life preserver to then get somebody else out of the water to keep them from drowning. Christ's righteousness and redemption on the cross is what equips us to do what he's calling us to do. Where then is boasting? Nowhere. Because no one can go, I did it, y'all. After 50 years of never sinning, never doing anything wrong, always doing everything right, always returning my library books on time, never having any late fees, no parking tickets, I made it into heaven, guys. No, you can't. You can't boast because you didn't do this. It wasn't because you worked so hard. It wasn't because you tried harder than everybody else or you self-sacrificed more than everybody else. It's because you accepted the free gift that was given for you by your faith in Jesus and in the blood. That is why. We cannot get hoity-toity. It's a fun word. I wanted to say that. Um, <laughs> we can't get on our high horses. We can't do this because that is not how I impart something real and life-giving to you. What did Jesus do when the woman was brought to him caught in adultery? She was thrown on the ground. What did he do? He got on the ground. He is a God that meets us on our level and comes to us, but then does not leave us on our level. We are to help those around us. Stand up, you know, right? Like if, if we're running a race and you trip, and help you up, let's keep going. Because I'm not fighting you. You are not my competition. I don't have to be better than you or do more than you. My fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the evil that are roaming this world trying to disrupt what God is doing. So never should we as Christians ever run beside somebody and trip them 
or push them over or give them wrong directions so that you get there before them. Well, if they all come, I'll have less, right? No, no. It's multiplication on mass scale. In fact, you will have and feel and experience more love when you give it. But that's counterintuitive to humanity. The more I give, the more I get. It doesn't make any sense because that's subtraction. And I know 10 minus 5, I only have 5. And I don't have 10 anymore. That's great that he's got 5, but I had 10 before. And I found security in my 10. I found my identity in my 10. God says, that's that's not how that works. And I want you to understand, this is not some... uh, prosperity thing. I'm not talking about finances in this moment. I'm talking about experiencing more of who God is. He can move in anything. But understand because you are giving it away does not mean that this is all I have. I have a finite number of something. Because that takes our, our perspective and our focus and then begins to shift it inward. And now I'm in protective mode because this is mine. I hope you find one. <laughs> what? Jeez, Jesus, like God could have easily done that. And been like, all right, guys, well, <laughs> you did it. Um, time to pay the piper. Bye. I'll start over. We'll do something else. I don't know, you know. I'm talking to the Holy Spirit and Jesus, like, let's figure it out. They're all gone, right? No. He said, I'm willing to, I want to, I love you. Let's, let's, let's fix this. Let's give them an opportunity to do this, right? When Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the Holy of Holies was torn from top to bottom. From God down. It was nothing we did. It was always him. Always him. I want you to feel this. This gift, right? This eternal love. And this gift is not, well, let's wait till heaven. Right? I get heaven when I die. Cool. I'm just going to coast. No. Right? The Holy Spirit came down. And can live in us. Can move in us. I saw this thing where somebody was saying, when I get to heaven, it would be really cool. Like to go ask Moses and David and be like, Man, what was it like to do all those things for God? He said, but then I will, the sobering thought of when they look at me and say, what was it like having God live in you? We have that. And a lot of times we sub-compartmentalize it and we put it over here. We don't use it. We don't listen to it. We don't listen to the the GPS of our souls trying to get us where God wants us to be. We like to flip on the light in that little room when we go to church on Sundays and then flip it off. Or maybe it's even on a timer so we don't have to go back to it and flip it off later. Because, man, it makes me a little uncomfortable. Growth happens when you're uncomfortable. 
when a seed's about to explode out life, it's uncomfortable. There is a level of fear and trepidation because I don't know what's coming. But God says, I do. I bring life. I bring hope. I don't take you this far to just cut you loose and watch you drown. Have you seen what I paid for you? Have you seen what I invested in you? I'm not walking away. And in his love and in his mercy, he says, you can respond how you need to. He doesn't say, here's some shackles. You're going to do what I I bought you. You're mine. You're going to do what I tell you. He still says, you respond how you want. But know that if you know the love I have for you, your love will respond correctly. And if you don't know that level of love, he's not hiding it. He wants to pour it out on you. But again, we have to be willing to be vessels poured out and ready to be filled. Knowing that whatever he fills me with, I am responsible to pour out again and again and again. Because that is my responsibility. That is my new job and purpose when I enter into the family of God. Make heaven crowded. Make the army huge. And no, I'm not fighting you. God loves your soul and he wants you. But there are so many things that want to get in front of you and screen you. Don't, don't listen to that. Don't look at that. No, 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 no. Over here. Focus over here. Because if the enemy, if the enemy was not threatened, the enemy wouldn't try hard. If the world didn't know how real God was in his power, it wouldn't try so hard to mute it, to make you think it's wrong, to have all these people talk about how bad it is, how incorrect it is. And it would have been disproven a long time ago. But the truth has been the truth since eternity began. Nobody's been able to completely dismantle this. Ever. Because if it could be done, it already would have been. And we wouldn't be sitting here. Because I'm not a self-help guru person. You wouldn't come to me to be like, let's hear what he has to say. Nah, you'd be like, can I please sleep in? Who can boast? Not a soul. I can't boast, but I can celebrate. I can't boast, but I can celebrate when you join the family. I can be at the recruitment party, right? Because heaven is. It says heaven rejoices anytime a lost soul comes to know Christ. Why don't we? Have we gotten like numb to it and been like, oh, that's great. A soul came to know God. That's awesome. I'm proud. Like it's a good thing. Like I'm glad you did that. Not like someone was doomed and now is not doomed. Lest you forget when you were. Because when it happened to you, it was a big deal. When it happened to you, your life changed. Celebrate it when it happens to somebody else, right? Because now they're going to the part, they're going to the after party with you, right? 
you got another person on the team, right? You have another opportunity to do ministry with more people. And more people means more perspectives on God as you're going out because they've experienced things you have not experienced. So now you're even more equipped as a group to go out and speak to people. They can see hurt that you haven't seen because you haven't experienced it. This is an exciting thing. This is the conjunction. This is what says, okay, all this bad stuff, all this separation, this is horrible. Might as well just sit here and wallow. Jesus said, hey, we're not sitting here and wallowing. We have a mission, and you're on it with me. Right, I recruited you. I picked you. I know everything about you. I know everything you've done, everything you're going to do, every thought you've ever had. I know it all. You are not disqualifying you because I qualified you. If you qualified you, you could disqualify you. He said, I qualified. I qualified. Are you calling me wrong? Nope. I act like it sometimes, though. If we're going to be honest, we act like it sometimes. We're like, well, my little brain thinks this is what should happen. If God could fit in this brain, this would be horrible. Okay? I don't, I don't want to fully understand the creator because then that makes me equal with him. I'm not. I can't boast. I didn't do this. I could never do this. This was a gift that was given, and he picked me. Like, I want you guys to, like, he picked you. He picked you. It was not an accident. It wasn't, well, maybe they'll hear a little bit, and if they get good, that's cool. No, he picked you. He wove your life the way it was and put people in your path with words from him to speak and to get you put up in situations where God can say, all right, the table's set. Come eat with me. Just relax. Take your bags off. Take your coat off. Just come sit at the table and let me feed you. And we get to approach that table. We choose how we approach the table. We can choose to not take off our coats, which to me symbolize all of the weights and heaviness on us. And we can sit at the table like this, uncomfortable, because we still got this big coat on and we're trying to sit in this chair. We can choose to sit at our chair with all these bags. I don't need to put my bags down or anything, all this past luggage that's holding me down. We can drag in these sins that are on our feet and try to come and sit down. And God's like, I, you want to take those off? I'm fine. I'm fine. It's okay. It's kind of, don't worry about it. It's fine. God's like... We can take the coat off. We can put the bags down. We can take the chains off. I want you to freely eat here. I'm giving you all that I am. It's still our choice. Because then when we get up from that table, do we pick our bags back up? Do we put all those coats back on? Or do we walk out of those grave clothes into something new and clean and pure and white that he has given us? Because it has said... We are being clothed in righteousness, not ours, but his. Righteousness is a noun. It is not specifically an action that you do. You can 
be righteous, try to be righteous, but righteousness is a noun. And it says it is God's righteousness that he gives us. So now your identity is changing because it is his righteousness that you have. We are to walk in that. We are to be sons and daughters that are excited. I don't want to fight with my siblings. I want to celebrate with them. And we have an opportunity, not just on Sunday mornings. Every day, every day we have this opportunity. Because it, it, further on, it says, by what kind of law could we have done this? One of works? Nope. Only by the law of faith. Only by you truly choosing to believe in what God has done. It says, is God for the Jews only? Isn't he for everybody? If, and as he's talking to the Jews, the Jews are like, well, we do believe that. Then you have to come to the conclusion that he is also for everyone. Do you believe that there is only one God? And that one God is perfect. And he created everything. If you believe that, then you have to also believe that he is the God over everyone. Well, he's not the God of the Muslims, right? Nope, he is. He's not the God of the, of the people that are attacking me, right? No, he is. Not all of our children represent the family perfectly sometimes. I don't represent myself perfectly sometimes. There, I've done things in the past that are just flat out dumb. And if you only knew me from that situation, you would not know me. If we choose to only see somebody as a situation that might have been negative, we're like, oh, that's just who they are. No, it's not. Was that, is that who you are? We are not our actions. My actions do not inform my identity. My identity informs my actions. I act based off of my identity. And I've learned here that we have his righteousness. My identity is changing. I am now a son and daughter of the king, the king that chose to die for me. I've never had a king die for me before. I've never had anybody die for me before, except the savior of the world. The most important thing in the world chose to die for me. So today, how do we respond? Do we celebrate? Absolutely. Because we all got here. We all got to this place of connection with God, the divine. Not because we did something. But because he did something. Because he views us as valuable. I want you on my team. I want to equip you and give you the things you need to do. Because we're good, man, we're throwing a house party soon. And I want everybody on the block. I want everybody on the planet at this house party. So that then when we get up there, so this is the amazing thing. We can only experience really so much of God here. When we get to heaven and we're in the fullness of his presence and of his glory, that's what we're going to do, right? The, the glory and the power of God consumes us. I don't, I don't have to upsell heaven to you, right? It's Jesus, it's the presence of God. I'll be like, well, their, their streets are paved with gold. Is that, is, that, is that a good selling point? Right? Um, 
Your heart's desires are there. Is that a good selling point? It's Jesus. Like what other, what, you need nothing else. It is the fulfillment and the completion of God Almighty, and you get to be in his presence where we were created to be in the first place. The fulfillment of your true heart is his presence. We get that. And we walk around people daily looking for it. And as a church, there have been times, not specifically the gathering, but as a Christian American church, there have been times where we look down on the people that are searching, lest we forget we've searched. Like, oh, that's an idiotic route to go down to try to find something. Then go help them. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Right? That's it. I don't want to sit in a pew till I die and be like, yeah, yeah, I made it to heaven. And get up there and God say, we, oh, we had so much we could have done. So much we could have done. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to say, let's rejoice. Right? Let us choose today to say, God, show me a new facet of who you are today. If you need healing, if you need God to touch a part of you, say, okay, God, I am willing to take the Band-Aid off of this wound and let you clean it. And I know it's going to hurt because some of the dead stuff needs to come out. But do you want to be healed and not feel that pain? Do you want peace to come over you in a way that makes no sense? a peace that passes understanding. Then you have to be willing to say, all right, God, be God in these situations where I don't have peace. You take control. And then be willing to listen. That's the, that's the, that's the thing. God wants your heart, and once he has your heart, he has you, but also he wants us to do things. Not work like clocking in, but getting to be active participants in what he's doing. But you have to hear the instructions. I can't do what I don't know I need to do. I can try. <laughs> and it might be 10% right. But God's not hiding. There's not a decoder ring you get with your Bible that you have to be like, okay, flip that over every third letter of the fourth verse in every book. No, he's like, his love is screaming from the cross and it echoes through eternity. We respond. We respond. And that's what I want, I want to give space today for that, for that response. And I know that might be different things. This might be celebration where we jump and we go crazy and we bring the house down. There will be some of us that say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to let you have this control of this area of my life and it could be emotional it could be a bit painful at first it could be exciting it could be scary but God says I know the plans that I have for you plans to prosper you to, to mold you into who you are they use the analogy of the potter on the wheel right if I'm painting a painting I can paint one side of the painting and the back can be ugly He's a potter because every bit of the clay has to be touched. There can't be an ugly side that's hidden. It spins. It's there. Every side has to be touched. Every part of who we are.
to become the thing he wants us to be. So I don't know if y'all want to do some kind of music or something. But I want to give, I want to give space for that. To respond. To just say, okay, God, take all of it. Take out the stuff that don't need to be there. Right? Because this is a free gift. I want to be able to hold as much of this free, amazing, fantastic gift as I can. I'll go as far as to say the things that I choose to hold on to, I subconsciously value higher than that. Help me to see everything in my life in comparison to everything you've done so I can say that is so much more worth what I'm holding here. So you can respond at your seats. You can come to the altar. There'll be people that will help pray for you. If you want it, you can pray by yourself if you want to. But I know that God is here and he's ready. And he's just holding out his hand saying, hey, you ready to help me do this? You want to be a part of this? You ready to step into something amazing? Just come to me and I'll walk you through it. That's it, right? Like, be that friend. Be that friend to those around you that say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach God on the behalf of some, someone else. I love you enough that I'm going to enter into a holy place. And I'm going to ask God for you. That's on mission. Right, that's what we're here for. That's, that's helping recruit to the team. And then the perspective shift. God is above all of it. He stands above everything. But since he is everywhere, he is also in everything. Lift up your head to see where your help comes from. Set your eyes to Zion. Pastor Bridges already read in Psalms, he is the lifter of our heads. If you don't know him as that, today's a good day. Today's a good day, but you have to allow your head to be lifted up and choose what you are gonna look at because the glory of God makes everything else seem dull in comparison. Are you breathing? Then you got more opportunities. You're breathing, you still have a purpose. If you're breathing, that's a great thing because you still get to do what God's calling you into. Today, go out, go ye. Don't just sit at a pew. Don't just collect what God says and go home with it. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're saved to help save. There's a reason. I don't want a religion that just makes me feel good. I want life change. And that, God is the only one that has ever offered that. Take it today. Go out. You go out to eat. You go for a walk. You go to work this next week. Bring that. 
Because first and foremost, you are a child of the King. That influences your actions. You were put where you were put to start to permeate where you are. You are the ambassador that has been sent there. You can't say, well, maybe he'll send somebody better. He sent you. He sent you. And you know what? He knows you can do it. He knows you can do it. Because he says, I'm right here with you holding your hand. Let's walk through this. I am walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not left there. This week, let the joy of the Lord strengthen you. Look at all the places that God has done. Look at, look at how he has healed you or your family or your friends. Look at how he saved you and what he paid for you. And take that and say, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what to do with this joy. Give it out. Give it out. People need it. People are dying searching for it. And God says, I have an abundance of it. I'll fill you with it so that you can give it out and you come back and I'll fill you with it again and you keep giving it out. He's like, I want to flood the world with it. Bring your bucket. Okay? Because he is just and he is righteous. And he says, when you leave my table, leave your junk there and put on righteousness and take it out. That's it. Go do it. I love y'all. Go do it.